Hello, this is Paco from Dropping Loads, and you're listening to the BS Podcast Network. Hello everybody, welcome back to Dropping Loads. Once again, my name is Pouch, and I'm here by myself, lonely as fuck, sitting at this table, talking to who, I don't know, um, nobody, imaginary listeners, I don't know if you guys are actually out there, but I'm talking to you anyway, hoping that there's somebody out there that's gonna listen to me. Uh, yeah, we've been having a weird, inconsistent schedule, and I hate to say it, but that's just the way it is right now, I know, we were on a bit of a break, and then uh, Ness came back, and we just had to, like, grab the mics, because we didn't, because Ness wasn't going to be here very long, so we got him in the studio, and we recorded with him, I know you guys missed him, it's been a while, Um, and here we are, again, still having trouble scheduling uh, episodes here and there, but in the meantime, I just thought I'd tide you guys over with uh, a solo episode, you know, cause more damage, to your auditory canals um with my voice by myself and very very pathetic uh so i just came back from a trip so as you guys know that we're huge fans of kevin smith and uh, he was doing a screening of jane silent bob reboot followed by q a he's been touring with the movie it's called the reboot road show and he had a stop here in florida in jacksonville uh there was one he did in orlando which is usually a pretty damn good crowd and, and closer to miami than jacksonville but at the time uh it was like on a thursday and i didn't want to take like two days out just to go see this movie so um i it, we just didn't go but we did end up seeing it in theaters and we had a blast it was such a fun fucking movie so i was like i want to watch it again and then i saw that he was uh, adding another florida date i think the only florida date this uh this time around this this the second leg of the tour which was in jacksonville it's about five hours away but i'm like you know what i'm just gonna fucking go because i really really want to rewatch this movie and i really really want to uh just to see the q a five hours it's it's rough it's fucking rough three and a half hours it at a certain point feels like a bit of a breeze five hours is a trust me that hour and a half really makes a fucking difference dude. it really really gets you i know at a certain point like on the way back i got very very fucking sleepy so i had to start blasting um, music and start singing to it because otherwise um i probably would have fallen asleep like maybe an hour from hour and a half from um no actually it was like two and a half hours i was driving kind of sleepy so it kind of sucked um however let's start at the beginning the i left on the 21st which is on friday because it was it was going to be that night on the 21st and uh you know, because I seem to fucking review uh, albums now. I'm a big Ozzy fan, and Ozzy just released his first album, I think, in like 10 years uh, on Friday called Ordinary Man. See, um, he did a track with Post Malone. I don't really like Post Malone very much. I mean, I did like Sunflower. I thought that was a pretty good song for the Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. And then he did one with Ozzy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking t- pay attention now because I love Ozzy. And I listened to the track. And it's actually a pretty damn good track. Like, minus the rapping. It's a great track. I like the lyrics. And Ozzy sounds great on it. And I was really fucking hyped for the track. And next thing you know, I guess Ozzy was like, well, I like this producer, Andrew Watt. And I, wanna write, I, want, I want him to write an album. And... 
and because he was like really really sick i think he was the least involved in the production of this album than most of the other albums he's been on almost the other albums he's recorded so he just kind of wasn't present i think from because based on the story i was told is that andrew watt like kind of um gathered together a super group of musicians he brought together duff mckagan of guns and roses he brought uh chad smith of red hot chili peppers and then every there every so often there's a sprinkling of other um uh people like slash and shit like that so uh he they kind of just like brainstormed an album i think it, i think they said in about a week i think that's what duff said about a week or so and then they and then after all the tracks were kind of laid down and done ozzy came in listened to them and kind of gave his final approval um from what I remember, the story was uh, he listened to the tracks, just said, "Okay, can I go home now?" And then he came, and then he called them like after he got home and said, "When are we starting? When are we going to finish recording them?" Apparently, he loved the tracks; he just didn't say it there. So I think the next couple of weeks was spent like laying down the, uh, the vocals, uh, writing lyrics and laying down the vocals, finishing touches, Ozzy's uh, putting in Ozzy's input, obviously. And then um, if you had, and then of course the guest appearances and stuff like that, which I think there was only like two or three, if I recall. So he was the least involved in this album. And it, you could tell because like the preview tracks that they released, Under the Graveyard and Street to Hell, I just didn't like. They just weren't very metal and they weren't very Ozzy, despite the fact that Ozzy sounded good good on them they just didn't sound very good overall like you can tell there's a there's a there's a there's a void like it, you there you can tell there's something missing it's like the aussie formula isn't quite there um so i wasn't a big fan of those tracks then he released now then he released a track called ordinary man which was fucking great i don't know if you ever heard that song but it's so fucking good he has elton john singing the second verse on it i think he has slash um playing a solo at the end it is a great track and it's very kind of beatles-esque it's pretty close to beatles-esque i mean like it's just it just sounds like a man who's um kind of obviously very nearing the end of his life ozzy 71 now and you can tell it just kind of came from that place of like i've lived a very very long life i'm very very close to dying and i'm just kind of reminiscing about my time being in the limelight and all the shit that's kind of happened to me over the over the course of the last what five decades i think he's been in the music business and elton john is probably one of the only other people one of the old rock stars that can that can sing about those same things you know i mean the other other the only other person i think would have been like Lemmy and a few other uh, metalheads, but uh, Elton John played beautifully on piano, and it was such a good track. Like it was just such a refreshing track after the last two, which just weren't that good. And this was just like a departure from the whole metal thing. This was not metal at all, but it was just such a good track. Just a, a beautiful kind of like ballady lamentation about life and shit like that. And it was just really, really good. So I was like, okay, I'm excited. I can't, I'm, I can't wait for this album to come out now. And then the album dropped, and I listened to it, and I'm just like, huh, okay. I listened to it for the first, because it's only about like an hour and 15 or something like that, on the way to Jacksonville. Uh, that's why I'm starting with this, and then I'll end it with Kevin Smith. I love the album. No, that's a strong word for it. I really like the album. I think I think the album is really, really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, there's a few little catchy tunes and interesting things they did with tempo and sound. Like, Goodbye is really, really good. I really like Goodbye, Ordinary Man. And I actually really like Scary Little Green Man. That, that song is actually... It's stupid, but it's so fun. Like, it's so fun to listen to. Like, there's a lot of changes, and it just sounds super catchy and shit like that. Uh, there's a guilty tr pleasure in... Um, I think it's called The End Is Today or something like that. Uh, I don't think it's a great song, but I like the way it sounds. And it's obviously a very, like, sad... Um, 
kind of depressing song. I like the album quite a bit. It's very catchy. The music is different. Again, like I said, there's a void. There's a missing ingredient. I already figured it out. It's Zach Wild. Like the every, every almost every album up until this point has very been very very guitar heavy because Zach Wild is always his is his his instrument is guitar and he's all over every fucking Aussie track like he comes in all of them because it's just that he's just that important part of the band and part of Aussie's music so every time you hear an Aussie track you will hear like Zach Wilde's trademark guitar and beautiful fucking tone and that's what was missing from this album Zach Wilde's guitars um, and it was definitely a void. It was an absence. You could feel it that this wasn't a true Ozzy record because it, it wasn't heavy on guitar. Because, like I said, most of his records have always been heavy on guitar. I mean, his first album was was uh, was written with fucking Randy Rhodes, one of the greatest guitarists around. And then he just kept bringing great guitarists following that, like Zach Wild. And you know, I didn't love Gus G, but Gus G was a great guitarist for the two albums that he was working on and shit like that. So like those, there's a void there. You you really do miss. The the, the emphasis on guitar it's not very guitar centric again it's a good album i do like it it's just it's just not as good as like his other stuff because obviously it's just not guitar centric because the people who go for ozzy albums listen for that insane riff and tone that's synonymous with zach wilde and it wasn't there so it's quite sad that it wasn't there but it's still a good album i really did enjoy it quite a bit ozzy sounds fucking great on the album so that's always good there's one more post malone song that's like probably the worst track of the album unfortunately um another thing that i do really like is although the lyrics aren't great i like the tone and the theme of the lyrics because it it clearly comes from a place of a man who's just kind of nearing death like pretty close to it like i said in like ordinary man like that's kind of the overarching theme of the album someone who's just kind of lived a very very long and accomplished life and looking back on it like wow it's it's almost time i'm i'm about to go and i have to just kind of face that truth and it's pretty beautiful i mean like ozzy's never been known for like the greatest lyrics around but like again the overarching theme is is pretty uh it's pretty prominent and you can hear it and it's very obvious and it's just quite beautiful and sad and it's never going to be something like you know black star by david bowie because you know that's a true songwriter i'm not to say that ozzy is a songwriter but he just uh, he can't compare to the songwriting skills of david bowie it's not that i'm a huge fan of david bowie but i recognize that david bowie was a true songwriter through and through and black star was probably the most graceful way any rock star has ever left this fucking planet because it's just a just just an incredibly thoughtful and beautiful meditation on just life and death overall and this is close to it um but in the same kind of realm but it's not as beautifully written i guess but it's still good it again i really thoroughly enjoyed this album um i don't love it i do like it a lot it's not it's it's good and and it's unfortunate like because he was in a tour with manson i think i was gonna go even though they were like oh, probably gonna be like 150 bucks for like nosebleeds i probably would have went because those are two bands i really like um even though manson's kind of trash right now but still I probably would have went because I really want to see Ozzy live again. I saw him once, and it was kind of a shortened set because it was a fest. Um, but I really, really would have. Pref- I would have 
probably won't, but he had to cancel the tour because he's like super sick, and um, and that's fine. Obviously, like it's it's more important that he stays with us than tour. Obviously, so that's sad. But at the very least, he said that he really wants to throw out another album soon. I hope he works with. I hope he doesn't work with Andrew Watt again. But considering the speed at which and the efficiency at which that that album came out, I'm assuming he's gonna work with him again. Because like again, he didn't have to. He wasn't there. He wasn't there for the writing of the album. Like he kind of came in at the end. Uh, I'm sure helped with the finishing touches and the lyrics and and and, and obviously saying vocals. But like the he knew that he, he I'm sure he can trust Andrew Watt now to just kind of like just write the album for him and he's gonna like the results. Um, also, like fucking out of nowhere, like there's a there's a music video coming out called Gary Little Greenman with Jason Momoa as Ozzy. Like what the fuck, man? Like that was out of left field. Like I'm into it because I love Jason Momoa. I think he's a fucking badass. He's really really cool. But like the fuck, where did that just out of nowhere? Well, I mean now we know that Jason Momoa is a huge Ozzy fan, so that's cool. Like I we he and I are cool there. Um, I just didn't like the way they did it. Like I feel like they could have revealed it in a different way because, like, they dropped the teaser and immediately you knew it was, like, Jason Moore. Like, I get that builds anticipation, but, like, it's just the fun is gone now. Like, once the, out, once the video comes out, it'll be old fucking news. And they also released, like, a three-minute, like, behind-the-scenes thing and they pretty much showed us half the music video. So I'm just like, what's what's the fucking point anymore? I don't need to see it anymore because I see Jason Moore as Ozzy, I don't need to see it anymore. Like, I really don't. The big surprise, the wow factor of the music video is already gone. It's already ruined. So I'm just like, I, I, I'm going to watch it just because I like the track and I like I like Jason Momoa. But, like, the wow factor, the big surprise is ruined. And I'm just not happy with the way it was revealed. I think they should have just randomly dropped a music video and that would have made headlines. But instead, they're, like, building anticipation. But I feel like the anticipation's dying because the the big surprise is is it's no longer a surprise by the time the music video comes out no one's really gonna care because he's he, we've already seen everything we wanted to see which is Jason Momoa's Ozzy and that's all we needed and there's nothing more in that music video that really that we really need to see plus like Ozzy doesn't really have a backing band right now so it's literally just Jason Momoa singing and base if you've seen the behind the scenes stuff it's it's literally just Jason Momoa with a microphone in a long hallway and that's it like what else is there to see so it's just like I don't know, like build this. I feel like it just kind of went against what they wanted. Like building anticipation like this, it's I don't. I feel like it's it's like it's having the reverse effect because, like I said, by the time the music video comes out, I feel like nobody will really care anymore because they got what they wanted already, which is Jason Momoa's Aussie. Like the big novel thing has already been ruined and is done. So what is there? What what not? What other novel thing are you gonna draw people to watch? Like there's not much more. But whatever. It's coming out. It's a good track. I'm going to watch it whenever it does come out because there's no fucking release that even though it looks like it's already half fucking edited, but whatever. I don't know what the big deal is. Maybe they're going to throw in a bunch of really shitty um, effects. I mean, if you watch the Let Me Hear You Scream music video, it's Ozzy's face on a spider, and it's a, it's terrible. It's really, really bad CG. Whatever. So the drive there um, was really fucking tiring. I made it there. Um... It's 45 degrees in Jacksonville. I had no fucking idea, and I came with shorts and t-shirts, so I wasn't expecting that, so I had to rush out and get some clothes. I'm happy, though, because I like the clothes I got. I'm going to wear them later on for cold weather, and it's pretty... I'm good with that. Like, this is so, so fucking banal and boring. Um, I made it to the, to the, to the venue... Um, I'm actually wearing the shirt that I bought there, uh, coincidentally. Movie, second time around... 
I'm starting to see the cracks in the movie, and I'm starting to see its flaws, because when I was watching it, I was definitely seeing it through the rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia. Like, I loved the movie at the time, because, like, it represented everything I loved when I was growing up. It's the Views universe brought back to life, and it was so much fun to check in with all these characters, you know? Jay and Bob, a little bit of, of Dante, um, of course, uh, Loki, randomly kind of tossed in there, Joey Adams as, um, as Alyssa, and Ben Affleck, as Holden McNeil and Banky. Banky was such a great... No, sorry, it wasn't Banky, it was Brody. Brody was such a great, like, such a great scene. I'm so glad Jason Lee came back for that. But I'm starting to see the cracks. Like, the rose-tinted glasses are not as rosy anymore because I'm starting to see, like... Some of that stuff is cringy. Some of the the jokes weren't very good. Some of the scenes are just like, just stupid and not very well written and nonsensical. There's a lot like my least favorite scene is Chris Jericho's like cameo. If you've ever seen a spoiler alert, he plays like a KKK member and then Silent Bob distracts them with a complete like like a speech that just completely made no sense. It was completely nonsensical just gobbledygook he just starts randomly spouting shit that like wasn't that just did not make any sense it's not like he was speaking like like in tongues and, and blubbering nonsense or anything he was speaking words and he was trying to he was saying something but none of it made sense it wasn't leading anywhere usually you know bob says something kind of like enlightening but this time i guess it was the intention where he just literally didn't say anything that made sense he was you know speaking intelligibly just none of it made sense it didn't lead anywhere it just and it had no context and it, it was clearly just meant to distract and then they kind of threw a porta potty at them as a means of escape and then bob just magically appeared in the car even though he was just outside with the kkk members so whatever um so yeah there there are a lot of scenes that are just kind of cringy because they don't really make a whole lot of sense and they're just a little over the top and dumb but the core scenes where, like, he puts his heart into it are still really, really well written. Like, there are scenes in there where, like, Jay and, um, and his daughter Millie, spoilers, um, they share a few scenes that are, that are actually kind of, uh, they actually do kind of tug at your heartstrings, and they almost made me cry. They're very, very good. My favorite scene above all else is the scene with Affleck. Affleck's cameo is so beautifully written and you can tell like kind of Kevin put everything into that scene like everything he's observed about family everything he's and all the feelings he was feeling um as a being able to see his, his good friend come back into his life, being able to see Affleck for the first time, and Affleck coming to work with him after almost 10 years, thinking that that guy hated him. Like, all of that kind of just, like, manifested in this one incredibly beautifully written scene about Hoden, like, kind of just, like, changing his life and understanding that everything now is about his daughter, which is played by Logan Lee, which is also another beautiful touch, is that, like, this is fully in the family now. Like, F Logan Lee's first movie is a J.M. Bob flick, just like Harley Quinn's, Harley Quinn Smith's, um, first movie was Jane's, was it? I think it was Jane's on the Bob, uh, Strike Back. Either way, the point is that, like, it's fully bringing it all together, full circle again, bringing in another family member, bringing in Jay's daughter this time, as opposed to Kevin's daughter, and it's just like just this wonderful scene. It's just like clearly uh, a culmination of like eighteen years worth of being a dad, and Kevin just pouring that all into one scene as he's feeling incredibly sentimental about being able to have his friend back in his life. It's 
great. And of course, bringing back Joey Adams is incredible. And then some of the scenes after that were great because we got to see like the clerk's cast in black and white. And we got to see Ming recite a poetry about, about the cancellation comic book then, which was fucking incredible. Like, it's a, it, it's a good movie only if you're a huge Kevin Smith View Skew fan. Like, that's the only possible way you enjoy this movie because the movie's fucking dumb as shit. It is. The first time, it was incredible. The second time, not as great, but, like, the reason why the experience was so much better is because I saw it with a crowd of, of uh, Kevin Smith fans who had never seen the movie before, I think. So they lost their shit. There was, like, they were hooting and hollering at the right parts, laughing their asses off at the, at, the, at the right parts, and, of course, cheering when they see, like, another Universe alumni. Like, it was great to feel that energy and feel that enthusiasm of people who just fucking adore this shit like I do so that's what made that experience so much more magical for me seeing and feeling the, the just the love they feel for this man and his work and all these characters that they all grew up with just like me so that was great that was wonderful seeing with a crowd of Kevin Smith fans the Q&A like always is always great like every time Kevin just goes up to speak in front of a crowd it's always captivating and fun he brought he brought out Shecky which was awesome I really enjoyed seeing Shecky on stage it was cute as fuck I was not expecting that obviously and he gave us a really really cool update on like Clerks 3 and 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 he even announced I don't know if he announced it prior but in the middle of the 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 show he just randomly announced oh we're doing Mallrats too and it was such a fun little story too because he was talking about how um how like uh, I guess he was working with Jay and Bob uh I'm sorry i guess he was working with universal for with jay and bob reboot i don't know why but apparently they finished and then like universal's like oh yeah um we want to keep working with you you're really easy to work with well what do you have what else you got and he just goes well mall rats too he's like we own mall rats and shit like that so like that's gonna be a fun that was a fun little cute story so it looks like he might be rewriting a mall rats too because i think some of the mall rats 2 stuff got into clerks 3 which did which then got into Gene Silent Bob reboot, so I don't know if he's rewriting it, but I'm definitely in for a Marats too. I'm totally in. I'm, I, I, Marats too. Marats is probably my least favorite movie in this universe, but I'm in. Like I'm gonna watch it. Like there's, there's no doubt I will watch it, um, unless I die, which is whatever. Um, no, that got dark. Um, then Clerks three. I think he he did explain the plot before, but it was just fun hearing it again and how he seems pretty certain oh yeah and how he said that he uh, how he reconciled with jeff anderson that was fucking great because when he announced it like he you knew that it was jeff anderson but he didn't want to say it because he didn't want to cause bad blood between them um but i guess they weren't talking for a little bit because i guess because they were in uh in a location somewhere something was going on and they were making a public appearance together and then like he was talking to jeff and jeff was like i, I didn't think you want to talk to me after what happened and he just goes no, I'm definitely going to talk to you because I want to convince you to do Clerks 3 still. And I guess there was, like, they had a bit of a falling out because of how the Clerks 3 um, production imploded a month beforehand. And I guess something didn't work out in, in in Jeff Anderson's favor. Like, he just, he wasn't he wasn't happy about the way something was moving. So I guess they tried to reconcile that. And I guess Kevin is fixing it because he said that he seems really certain that Clerks 3 is going to be shot later this year. So that's fucking hype. And in case you didn't know, Clerks 3 is basically going to be, the plot of Clerks 3 is basically going to be the making of Clerks 1 sprinkled with what happened to Kevin uh, two years ago. So obviously, you know, Kevin had a heart attack. So I think the story is that, yeah, the story is that Jeff, Jeff, I mean, Randall, Randall has a heart attack, wakes, survives like Kevin does, and realizes, holy shit, like, 
what did I do with my life? And he wants to be remembered, so he decides to make a movie about being a clerk. Oh, just like fucking clerks when he decided to make a movie about being a clerk, you know? So that's, it's, just, it's a little, a little hokey, but I'm all in because, like, I loved Clerks 2. I, I, I'm one of the few people in the world that loves Clerks 2 more than Clerks 1 because it's just, like, objectively a better movie. It's not as well written as Clerks 1 in terms of, like, in terms of comedy, but like, it's it's a better it's a better movie all altogether because like he learns how to finally move the camera around, uh, and the angles are obviously better and it looks better and um and it's just like there's just more there's just more sentimentality in Clerks too that does make me feel, whereas Clerks one it's just like nonstop silliness and ridiculous joking and and um using some pop culture whereas clerks 2 does have that but again there are moments of sentimentality like there's the scene in the prison in the prison the scene in the, the prison cell the jail cell um when um kind of randall confesses how much he loves dante and is beautiful like wonderfully delivered and wonderfully written like it's jeff anderson fucking killed it in that scene he was so good showing the vulnerability of randall when you know throughout the entire throughout the last two movies like he didn't have vulnerability he was just this asshole and here he is just talking about his feelings and how much he loves dante and how he just can't live a life without his best friend like i'm, I'm tearing up just thinking about it because it's such a great scene like i can't I, i'm i'm gonna watch clerk's three and i'm looking forward to it because I love Clerks 2 so much, and I can't wait for Clerks 3 if he's going to pour that much more sentimentality into it. Um, and, you know, the last thing I do want to talk about, which I forgot to mention with the James Allen Bob reboot, is there's a one scene where Jay brings Millie to the quick stop, and they talk for a moment, and, you know, like he just said, step. I think step two is always have someone at your side no matter what, someone who has your back no matter what, and he looks over at Silent Bob, and it, that's true. That's 100% true. And in that moment, like, I think even Kevin almost started tearing up in the middle of the scene, but which is perfect for the character because that's kind of, like, it calls for it, you know? Uh, again, the Q&A was great. He revealed a few things. Um, fucking fucking hilarious like he always is and then i went home but jacksonville trip was pretty cool i went out with my friend to Austin augustine drove around a little bit and then uh nothing that great there and then we went to this i'm excited mostly about this we went to this awesome uh korean barbecue slash hot pot place i've been to a few korean barbecue places not too many but the general format is there's obviously a grill and they bring you they bring you like little sides like kimchi and shit like that surrounding the grill and then, like, whatever sides of meats you order, they obviously bring it to you. But in this one place, it was drastically different. There was actually a buffet of a bunch of raw meat, which made me a little uncomfortable because I don't know if, how much, how long raw meat can be sitting out in the open like that, but whatever. There's a, yeah, there was a ton of raw meat just out in the buffet area. And then um, you just go over there, bring, put it on a plate, and bring it back to your table and grill it. And then the hot pot situation is literally right next to the grill at your table. And the ingredients for the hot pot is um, is on a conveyor belt. So that's fucking cool. Like, here I am just grabbing noodles and shit and throwing in the hot pot. That was, that was so cool. It's one of the coolest experiences I've had in a while when it comes to Korean barbecue. Because I've never seen that before. A conveyor belt situation for the ingredients. That's awesome. So that was, that was really, really cool. And it wasn't that expensive for what it was. And I really enjoyed myself. And it was really, really good food. In case you ever want to go. Um, I think it's... It's actually called the hot spot or something like that. <sighs> so I think I'm ready to go. 
whomever you may be listening, I hope you enjoyed this very, very terrible solo episode where I rambled on for about 25 minutes. Anything and everything you can find at DroppingLows.com, or you can go to Facebook and search Dropping Lows Productions, or Facebook.com slash Dropping Lows Podcast. And we're also on Instagram at Dropping Lows, or on Twitter at Dropping Lows PC. Also, check out the YouTube, YouTube.com slash Dropping Lows P. That's Dropping Lows in the letter P. There's uh, Milky's new venture called Dumb Down, so that's YouTube.com slash Dumb Down. Or you can find them on Instagram at Dumb Down YT. And we're on two internet radio stations. The first one is Mixed Talk. You can find it at THMIXX.FM. We'll play it at Tuesdays to 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. We're also on Cornucopia Radio. That's C O R N U C O P I A hyphen radio. That's CL the UK. We're played randomly once throughout the week. So hopefully one day you just happen to tune in and listen to us. Um, I would like for you to go out and listen to the Don Francisco Promise Historia as our only creamy episode and possibly John's fourth finer seller of his entire life. It is hysterical. It's only a dollar fifty. You can find that at droppinglows.podbean.com. Um, and that's about it. Check out that YouTube. Check out youtube.com slash droppingloadsp and youtube.com slash dumbdown. Uh, until next time, we love dropping loads. But I'm in. Like, I'm going to watch it. Like, there's there's no doubt I will watch it. Um, unless I die, which is whatever. Hey, guys. Hunter Galcast here. Join myself and my fellow co-hosts, Edward, Kendra, LaShawn, Albert, the other Sean, Wyatt, and many others... As we're going to dive into a grab bag gimmick of pop culture and non-pop culture topics. We're on iTunes, Hanagalcast, Spreaker, Hanagalcast, and many other social media websites. We take requests, and you can email us at hanagfeedback at gmail.com. Finally, a podcast that will never be questioned, ever. <laughs>